Good morning again. Thanks for joining us for worship this morning. My name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. Exodus has been our focus of study over the last couple of months, and today we'll end our short look at the God giving the Ten Commandments to Israel. Now, we've been talking about God giving these commandments, these ten words, as starting Israel off with the right relationship in regards to Him, their right relationship with a work-rest rhythm, and right attitudes and actions towards other people. Today, as we end uh, the commandments, we will see how the last couple of commandments have a more reflexive view in mind, pointing us to examine ourselves. As we hear Grace Teens Director Javier Reyes read the passage to us this morning, let me ask you this. Who's the last person who told you a lie? And I want you to think about the fact that maybe the answer isn't the person that you're thinking about right now. Let's listen to the reading of God's Word. The scripture reading today comes from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 2, and verses 15 through 17. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. God, we thank you that you promise to meet with us this morning. We thank you that when your word goes forth, that it accomplishes the purposes that you have intended for it. And so this morning I ask that you would send your spirit to us, Help us to hear the truth of your gospel. Help us to discern the difference between our own voices and your voice. Help us to see and to believe that your words lead us to life. I pray that my words would fall to the floor and only your words remain. And I pray this in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Now, shelter in place has affected all of us in different ways. And for me, it has honestly brought me to a point where I feel comfortable doing something a little ridiculous, uh, ridiculous enough to start a sermon off by playing a game. Now, you've probably heard of the game Two Truths and a Lie. This is pretty similar, except it's two lies and a truth. Two of the following statements I'm going to tell you are connected to my life story, but are actually inaccurate. The other one, believe it or not, is true. Right? And so if you want to know the answer, which one of these statements is actually true, you're going to have to listen to our Q&A podcast this week. Ready? Here it goes. Number one, coming out of high school, I had two Division three scholarships offered to me. Number two, Nicole and I were featured on a reality TV show when we were dating. And number three, when I was in graduate school, I made extra money by dressing up as a clown and appearing at children's birthday parties. Three things, two lies, one truth. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, this one is so easy. How could you not know which one of these things is true? But isn't that the point of the game? Aren't I trying to come up with statements that sound really believable, sound like something you could see me doing to try and trick you, right? The reason I wanted to start off this way is because we actually see a little bit of that happening here at the end of the Ten Commandments. 
the thou shalt nots here, the last three specifically, do address actions that God encourages His people not to take, but in doing so, He actually addresses two lies that Israel is going to be tempted to believe, lies that poison the heart of God's Son. Remember, we've been looking at the commandments uh, from the viewpoint of God making Israel in His own image, right? Creating a new heart within this new nation. God had freed His people from slavery in Egypt, and if they behave in the ways that these commandments forbid, they're likely to become slaves to their own desires and their own hearts, right? The lies that God is speaking against here aren't just inaccurate, but they are deceptive, in a way that will bring whoever believes in them to complete submission. And there are lies that you and I are tempted to believe in every day as well. So we've got three points this morning. The first two are the two lies that we're going to look at. So I'm only going to tell you those two to start off with. The first two things we'll be looking at is the lie that I am the most important, and the second lie is I deserve better than this. We'll get to the truth at the end of the sermon. So let's start by looking at the lie, I am most important. Now, to see this, we have to look at verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. It might surprise you to learn that the language used here in this commandment is almost exclusively used throughout Scripture with regard to legal proceedings. To bear false witness means to inaccurately produce evidence, to answer testimony contrary to reality. Now, God is summarizing all the rules that He wants His people to follow. He's got ten words to give them. Why would He spend one of those words on court proceedings? Why does this matter to the functioning of the new nation of Israel? Well, because back then, just like now, everyone was looking for how their actions, their statements, and their circumstances would benefit themselves. The nation itself was concerned with how to prop themselves up, from small things to court proceedings. For example, if your neighbor was to go to trial and your testimony could possibly put them in prison for a couple of months, you stood to benefit by taking a little bit of their land. We can summarize this whole thing with the trite phrase, it's a dog-eat-dog world. Now, chances are you aren't going to be called to testify for or against your neighbor all that often in your life. And if you do, the the probability that you're going to gain anything by having your neighbor thrown in jail is incredibly small. But you and I, we still think about our actions, our circumstances, and the outcomes of scenarios in our lives as to how they're going to impact us. Are they going to be beneficial to us, or is it going to bring us down? Just the other week, uh, Nicole and I had had a long day of sheltering in place, of homeschooling, of working from home, And so we were sitting on the couch watching some TV. I got up to get us a couple bowls of ice cream. And in the short walk from our kitchen to our couch, I started calculating which bowl had more ice cream in it. And the the thought was running through my mind, "I, I want more ice cream. You've thought the same thing, haven't you? You've thought about what you should do in order to receive the most benefit out of the situation. Take this bowl, give that bowl. Take that parking spot, let the other guy find another one, right? Now, here's the other thing. It went deeper than that. Because not only was I measuring how much ice cream was in each bowl, I started thinking what Nicole would think of me. And I came to the realization that it would be worse for her to think of me as selfish than it was for me to get less ice cream. And so I gave her the bowl with more. 
because I wanted her to have more ice cream? No, I just didn't want her to think that I was such a bad guy, right? We measure, we look at things, we try to guess, how is this going to impact me, right? Testifying falsely to gain some land and running a quick cost-benefit analysis about ice cream and trying to figure out how people will perceive you, it all comes from the same lie. I am most important. That lie leads us to think other things like, I'm going to do whatever I have to in order to put myself in the best position. I'm going to say whatever I need to say in order to put myself in the best light. I'm going to hang around with whoever I need to hang around with in order to have the best shot at the next step. Whatever paints me in the best light, I'll do whatever I have to. I am the best, and I need to get the best out of this situation. Now, that lie has endless outworkings in our daily lives. Right? We choose not to take responsibility for our own failures. Maybe we just remain silent, or sometimes we pass the blame. We put it on someone else. We're willing to defend ourselves and our positions to the death. We minimize our own failures, and we maximize someone else's shortcomings. Right? We pass along slightly inaccurate or exaggerated stories about someone else in order to put ourselves in the best possible light. We choose not to say hard things to people because the conversation is going to be really uncomfortable. And because I'm the most important, I would rather them continue on in this terrible behavior or sin pattern or whatever it is just so I don't have to be uncomfortable, right? All of that comes back to the same idea of bearing false witness. It's not necessarily outright lying as we often simplify this commandment down to. It all comes from the same lie, though. I am the most important. Now, I can guess what you're thinking. Sure, Stephen, some of that sounds like stuff other people are doing, right? I, I actually think I know who you're talking about right now, but not, not me. I don't, I don't think that I'm the most important. I don't live like I'm the most important person. Well, ask yourself these three questions. Do I find it easy to pick out other people's faults and explain or justify my own? Am I easily offended by the actions, words, and maybe even social media posts of other people? Do I often choose silence over having hard conversations or speaking up for things that I know to be true? If you answered yes to those, then you, like I, and like most of humanity, have at least begun to buy into the lie that you are most important. And if you believe yourself to be most important, even if it is subconsciously, it's also probably easy for you to buy into this second lie as well. I'm most important, and I deserve better than this. I deserve better than this. To see this lie being spoken against, we have to look at both the eighth and the tenth commandment. Do not steal, and that really, really long one at the end about coveting. Now, the reason those two go together is because coveting goes beyond uh, the greedy window-shopping heart that says, I want that, right? It goes beyond the, the righteous jealousy that moves someone to anger or action to safeguard what already belongs to them, right? Coveting is a greed that says, I want that thing, and I'll take that thing. I'll have it, right? The outworking of a covetous heart is thievery. Now, we live in a world that has gotten really good at suppressing the outward action of coveting, of, of taking things that don't belong to us, 
We live in a society where you are supposed to be upwardly mobile. It's a whole American dream for you to work as hard as you can in order to get what you want. We've kind of taken away the thieving aspect, but we've allowed the covetousness of our hearts to fester. We see the the better life of a sibling. We hear the success of a neighbor's startup. We hear of the job stability of a friend. We see someone else's vacation photos. We see the test grades of a classmate. We hear about the achievements or we see the behavior of someone else's kids, right? We we begin to compare what we see out there to what we have before us, and we walk ourselves into a very dangerous conversation. We talk to ourselves, and it goes a little something like this. Gosh, wouldn't it be nice to have something like that? To, to have that title, to go on that vacation, man, what I wouldn't do to be called that, to have that status. But then you start to think about it, wait a minute, I, I've actually worked really hard to get where I'm at, to, to have what I have, to go on the vacations that I go on. I've actually worked harder than that person who has that thing that I want. I, I deserve that, right? I'm better looking. I'm harder working. I've been around longer. I deserve that. I deserve better than this, right? Now, whether you ever act on that thought, that impulse or not, you've already bought into the lie. I deserve better than this. Fridays in our house during shelter in place, we've turned into pizza and a movie night. So we get the girls ready for bed, and then we order a pizza, or we bake one in the oven, and then we'll all watch a movie together. We all have dessert together as well. And inevitably, when the movie's over, past our normal bedtimes, we'll say to the girls, all right, time to brush teeth and get ready for bed. And the response from one or the other is, I don't want to go to bed. And then they say those three little words that every person loves to hear, it's not fair. In their hearts, I know what they're saying. I deserve more than a movie. I deserve more than a pizza night. I deserve more than dessert. I deserve a later bedtime. And the reason that I know that is just because that they haven't learned impulse control doesn't mean they're the only ones that struggle with it. I feel the same way. I think the same things. I say the same things. When someone cuts me off in traffic, Traffic was this thing that happened before shelter in place. When someone cuts me off in traffic, I think, I didn't deserve that. When I feel like I'm the only one doing work around the house, I think, I don't deserve this. We all have that thought. It's not fair. And it comes from the same lie. I deserve more. I deserve better than this. And how quickly that lie causes us to become deeply dissatisfied with the circumstances of our lives. And as we sit in that dissatisfaction and in that disappointment, we can't help but think, I deserve more again. It's this never-ending cycle. Now, let me be clear, right? Desiring good things, good relationships, good experience, desiring those things is not bad. But setting them up as the source of deep satisfaction in our lives, takes a good thing and it makes it an ultimate thing. It takes a good thing and actually turns it into something that will take the life right out of us. 
right? This lie leads us quickly down the road of idolatry, and that's a road that always ends in slavery and death. The problem isn't that you desire things. It's what you think those things you desire will bring to your life. Peter Lightheart, who uh, in his exposition of the 10th commandment, sums it up really well by saying this, our souls impel us to seek satisfaction from things that we wrongly judge to be satisfying. This happens all the time in our lives. We even hear it as we talk about shelter in place, right? We uh, say things like, we think things like, I deserve better than to be quarantined in my house for so long. Even if I could just get the life that I had before, that would be better. That would make me happy. If I could just go about business as usual. Or the flip side, I deserve more than being treated like a dollar sign in the economy. I deserve to to be protected, to be cared for, for by neighbors to listen and obey the laws in order to keep me safe. I deserve more than this. And again, it's not that thinking or seeking those things is a bad thing. It's believing that if you could just get that one thing, you'd be satisfied. That one outcome, that one promotion, that one job, that one test grade, that one affirmation, whatever it is, if I could just have that, then all would be right in my world. Then I'll be satisfied. I am most important. I deserve better than this. Those are the two lies that these commandments speak against. Well, what is God communicating here? What is the truth? What is the one thing that God says in order to to have this truth reign in the hearts of His people? It's this. God, your rescuer, has given you far more than you deserve. God, your rescuer, has given you far more than you deserve. Now, now, Stephen, this is the last point of your sermon. This is the last point of the last sermon about the Ten Commandments. Don't you think you should say something a little more encouraging? Like, isn't this the point where you're supposed to tell us the gospel and tell us how much God loves us? The answer is yes, but the gospel always starts with bad news first. And the bad news is you and I don't deserve squat. We don't. But the good news is, God has given us everything anyway. You may have noticed that in every sermon that I've preached on the commandments, I've always included verses 1 and 2 in the section. And there's a very good reason. It's because God starts this conversation. He starts these 10 words by cataloging what has happened in His relationship with Israel so far. And it's actually a pretty short catalog. Verse 2, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Seems kind of light on Israel's side. Have they done anything yet? No, they haven't. And that's kind of the point. God says, do you realize that I'm the one who saw you in slavery? That I used my power to get you out of slavery? I'm the one who rescued you from Pharaoh's army. I'm the one who parted the Red Sea for you to walk across on dry land. I'm the one who has led you through the desert, through the wilderness, here to my dwelling place. I'm the one who has protected you and cared for you this whole way. You can't be the most important. I am. When God tells Israel this at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, He's saying, I am the most important He says, look at what you've done. You've done nothing. How could you deserve better than this? 
You don't. And yet, he continues to stress the special relationship that he has engaged Israel with. The same is true for you and I. I'm not God. You're not God. God is God. How can we be the most important if we're not God? And the same is true when it comes to deserving more. We don't deserve more. In fact, if you want to know what we deserve, the Bible is very clear in saying that our sin deserves death. Death like we see on the cross, horrible death and separation from God Himself. And now, that's what we deserve, and yet God took it upon Himself. God chose for us not to get what we deserve, but to give us far more, he, to give us everything. When we look at the cross, what we see is the death of what we deserve and the life that we don't deserve being exchanged. The special relationship that God has with his people is exemplified by the cross of Jesus Christ. The same statement God makes at the beginning of the commandments to Israel is statement to us on the cross. He has rescued us from sin, from death, from slavery to sin and death. He has set us free. So then what about these commandments? If the relationship is already there, if He has already rescued us, if He has already cared for us and has sustained us, how are we supposed to engage with these commandments? Well, the truth is that we are tempted to believe these lies day in and day out, and so we need to speak the truth to ourselves day in and day out. When we wake up in the morning, tell yourself, God, my rescuer has given me far more than I deserve. When you're tempted to live your life as if you're God, to believe that you are most important, remind yourself, God, my rescuer has given me more than I deserve. When you are comparing your life to the lives of people around you and you're beginning to feel dissatisfied, disappointed, and to think, I deserve more than this, remind yourself, God, my rescuer, has given me more than I deserve. Or you could simplify it to use Jack Miller's famous phrase, cheer up, you're far more sinful than you'd ever dared imagine, but cheer up because you're far more loved than you'd ever dared hope. Let's pray. God, these words, these commandments can sometimes feel like restrictions that prevent us from living a good life, a fun life, we, I ask that you would help us through the power of your Spirit see that these commandments invite us to live a life free, free from slavery, free from idolatry, free from fear, free from death. Help us to see that the only way that these commandments have an impact on our lives is if we trust that Jesus has perfectly obeyed the commandments in every way that we couldn't, and He's chosen to give us His righteousness and take upon Himself our sinfulness. We thank You for Him, and we pray all this in His mighty and powerful name. Amen.